Welcome to Life Turned On, where we share and celebrate the stories of sexual self-discovery in midlife and beyond. Society tells us women's sexuality ends once she reaches a certain age, her body changes, or even when she reaches certain milestones such as motherhood or menopause. They want to turn us off, but we are committed to living life turned on, full of pleasure, deep joy, and an authentic expression of self. Listen in as we share stories of women who are ditching old scripts to pursue their own path to pleasure in their lives and their sexuality. I'm your host, Shauna Stewart, and I want you to get ready for honest conversations, practical advice, and inspiration along the way, because here at Life Turned On, we believe that pleasure is our birthright and the time to claim it is now. Hi, friends. Welcome to Life Turned On. I'm so excited about today's guest, Renee Fiorelli. She is a mother of four, ages 28, 25, 20, and 12. She was a teen mom and had her first daughter at 17 years old and was with her kid's father for 24 years. They've been separated for three years and the divorce was just recently finalized. And after a two-year wait period, Renee is back in the dating scene. I met Renee at Linker Boutique, and she just seemed to have a sparkle in her eye that I am interested in learning more about today. So I'm very excited. Welcome, Renee. Is there anything else you'd want our listeners to know? I mean, that kind of pretty sums up my life. You know, I can add in there that I was a stay-at-home mom for all those years. I don't know if that includes, you know, the the stress of, you know, being a mom and all that kind of stuff. But that is definitely another thing you can add in there to my bio is I was a stay-at-home mom all those years. Wow, that's a lot. And are you working now then? Yes. What do you do for work? So I'm working from home now. I was very fortunate to find a job during COVID and start working from home and am able to, you know, be on my own and I have my one son that's 12 still, you know, home with me. We co-parent. So it's been a great opportunity for me to continue to be here for him and yeah. and be and, and do all the good stuff. Yeah, that's so neat. It sounds like a lot of recent life transitions in the last few years that I'm sure just feel like a whirlwind in a lot of ways, but probably really fun in a lot of ways too. Yes, yes. It's been it's been a whirlwind, but it's always it's been for the better. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you today because of all of our guests so far, you're the one that I know the least about going into the interview. So I just get to start from scratch and get to know all about you. And I'm so excited about that. First of all, I'm just kind of curious if you could tell us a little bit about what life looked like for you before separating. So you were a stay at home mom. What did life look like for you in your marriage? As long as I can remember, I, you know, just took care of the kids. You know, we did have a business that, you know, my um, my ex did and I helped him out. It was a construction company. So I did a little bit of that kind of stuff, but it mostly consisted of me just, you know, watching the kids and cleaning the house and doing the errands and the stress of that. And then that was pretty much my life, just being the mom and, and doing everything, you know, you know, people think, oh, you're a stay-at-home mom. It's not stressful. And and it really is just because of what he did as a job. And it was just very inconsistent. And it wasn't, there was always a lot of stress going on and throughout 
the years of raising the kids and stuff. Yeah, I always have a hard time with the assumption either way, other kind of life is easier. So if you're mm -hmm. a work working mom, which it's wild that we have that as a term, but working mom, looking at stay at home moms thinking that's easier, stay at home moms looking at working moms thinking that's easier, part time workers kind of are stuck in the middle because you're kind of expected to be full time at both. And you don't really get a lot of grace either way. Uh, so I think it's all just hard. It's all hard and it's all rewarding in very different ways. Can you talk a little bit about what your sexual desire or sexuality looked like during those years? Did you feel your best self? Most of the time, no. Most of the time I was always very insecure about the way I looked or, you know, having kids and then, you know, having to bounce back, you know, just not feeling desirable and the stress of being mom and, you know, housewife and everything. I just felt like that kind of really played a very big role in me and my sexuality and wanting to be sexual with my husband. I just, mm -hmm. it wasn't there. It's just sad knowing now I wish I knew now what I did then, but it's, it was very hard to, like I said, want to be desired and, and, and feel that desire in the bedroom, I guess you can say. Yeah. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? I really wish I would have stressed more when I went to the doctor and say, Hey, I'm dealing with these things kind of help me. And I feel like the doctors never really wanted to like, okay, well, let's check your hormones or let's do this and let's do that. So I feel like I kind of was put on the back burner and I didn't advocate for myself. I feel like yeah. in that aspect. So I didn't really know what to do about it. I didn't, I maybe at the time didn't think that there was an issue, but like I said, knowing now there definitely was. Advocating for yourself with a doc think is so important and it's not a skill set that we're necessarily taught at any point in life not in sexual health class when we're in school not in college and it's just there's a power dynamic at play there that can make us feel very intimidated scared and unsure of even how to ask the questions. Sorry I remember the doctor's office and the doctor telling me you know everything looks great everything looks good. There's nothing wrong with you. And just feeling like, no, there's something and crying because I'm like frustrated, like, no, there is something wrong, you know, I, and I knew it, but they just, they just kind of just brushed it off. I was like, oh, everything, you know, on our end looks normal. You're fine. You know, just go on with your, with your life. Yeah. If you don't mind sharing, was it something you were struggling with from a physical health perspective, mental health perspective, or both? I would mostly say it would be mental. Okay. Yeah, I would, looking back now, I would definitely say it was mental. I mean, physical, we're, you know, worrying about weight and, you know, that kind of stuff. That's always plays a factor in, in everything. But I feel like definitely it was my mental health. I don't think I was like depressed or anything like that. Like I needed to get on, you know, like, you know, get on antidepressants or anything like that. I just feel like in my marriage, we were not connected and I didn't feel safe in my environment. I didn't feel connected that way. And I feel like that played a big role in me wanting to be intimate with my husband, mm -hmm. I guess. Yep. So. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We talk about a lot. We have to be in a parasympathetic or relaxed state to be able to enjoy pleasure. And if we're stressed, like that stress creates so much constriction in our bodies to be able to protect ourselves. Like we just kind of tighten up and it's exactly opposite of what we want to have happen to be able to experience sexual pleasure. 
So I understand you took a two-year break before jumping into the dating scene. Why did you choose to do that? Well, at first, I decided because I saw him, my ex, jump into dating right away. Mm -hmm. And me, I just felt like I needed to wait until I was obviously out of the home because we were still living together, but we were still, we were separated, but we were still living together. So I just felt like out of the respect of my kids and I just didn't want to be dating at that time. Mm -hmm. And he did. So I just, I didn't agree with that. So I, I was like, I'm definitely waiting. And then, you know, with, with the way our lives worked out, I ended up moving away for a year. And at that time I was living with my aunt and she was helping me out and I didn't have time to really date then just cause there was just, it was out in the woods. Like there was snow on the ground. Like it just didn't happen. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I took that time to just, just be by myself and just, be stress-free. So it, it was very liberating. And I did a lot of, I wouldn't say research, but I did a lot of reading. I don't know if you've ever heard of Single on Purpose. I'm not promoting his book or anything, but oh, I love no. John. I love John Kim and I read his book, follow him on you know social media. And he's really given me some insight on different things. Well, and that must've been the first time you've ever lived alone if you got married and, or had, sorry, I don't know if you got married right away, but you had your first child at 17. Yeah. So you ever lived alone before that? No. Okay. So what was that like? Never lived on my own, always with kids. I actually, at this time right now, have my own place. It's so liberating. Let me tell you, I love it. It's, it's amazing. I have some friends who have gone through recent divorces and they're like, I could pick whatever pillow as I want. It's freedom. And so, and I know that it's a lot more than just pillows. I don't mean to minimize it in that way, but also it can be a really big deal to be able to make your space your own. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I've really just realized my personality and like very nice to be able to have my own space and to live in my own space. And it's, it, it's made me stress free. Did you date much before having your first baby? Mm. So no, I act, I met my he- my ex-husband when I was 17. I had my daughter. No, I met him, I'm sorry, when I was 16. And I probably okay. had maybe a handful of boyfriends in high school. So really, I mean, no. I mean, sexual partners before my husband was like three. And then marriage and yeah. So it was a very long time where it was a very long stretch of the same same person. And you're dating now, correct? I mean, yeah. So I, I started, you know, dating, you know, maybe a little less than a year ago when I got my own apartment and stuff. And I said, okay, I'm going to dip my toes in. And, you know, I, I definitely have um, reserved myself as far as like, not going out there and dating a bunch of men. That's that's just not mm-hmm. that's and I found that out about myself. Like, you know, I got out in the dating world, but I, I really have a selected myself on who I want to date. And I don't know, I'm just that's just the way I am, I guess. So I am dating, yeah. but I'm not like out there dating a bunch of men. I, I don't have like a bunch of, you know, dates under my belt or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah. What what are you looking for in a partner? I, I've been really upfront about, you know, what I want. And I think that maybe I found what I don't want. <laughs> well, that's oftentimes what gives a lot more clarity. Definitely. Is that dissonance. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've definitely seen what I don't want. And I've had to break it off with some guys. Just, Sorry, you're not my person. And I have to be able to be okay with that and, and learn from what I experienced in the relationship and move forward. 
and I've I've fought. How has dating changed in the past 30 years? Because last time you were dating, you were in high school where we basically had a whole pool of people just in in our homeroom, you know. <laughs> but how has it changed for you? I, well, that's kind of hard. I mean, because <laughs> it's it's very different, I would say. And dating, online dating scared the heck out of me. Like, And I think that was another reason why I waited, just because it just, I didn't want to date on like a dating site. That was like, so scary to me. I'm like, no, I, I don't want to meet some random person online and, and have to meet them. So that was very scary for me. I have actually met somebody through a mutual friend. So that's, that's been very refreshing and not have to be on the dating site to, to do that. So it's been nice. That's wild how many relationships are starting online now. I'm actually more surprised when somebody tells me they didn't meet online than if they did, because I mean, that's kind of where you find people now. So can you talk a little bit? So you've met somebody through a mutual relationship. Did you do any of the online dating? I did. Yeah. Have you slept with anybody yet? And what was it like sleeping with somebody new after 30 years? Oh, gosh. So yes, I have. And I've, you know, realized that I'm definitely enjoying it more than I did when I was married. Definitely finding some new things about about myself that I didn't know existed. So that's been really fun. But as far as, you know, it being weird, it wasn't really weird to me just because I had waited so long. Uh And I think by waiting so long, it kind of like ignited something in me to be like, this feels amazing. I don't know if it's because I waited so long. I I don't know. I I, want to say that's why, but it's been very liberating and and fun. You said that you learned some new things about yourself. What have you learned? Oh, gosh. Should I? Should I really? Did you know? Did you learn new body parts? Um, you know, because many people do. (laughs) I, I I wouldn't say I learn new body parts, but I learn Mm -hmm. new ways to use those body parts. Okay. That makes any sense. Um, I definitely floor more now with my body parts and and I'm at ease in exploring my body parts and comfortable. And is that self-exploration, partnered exploration or both? Uh, I would say both. Yeah. And has the self-exploration made an impact in the partner? Do you feel like it's made the partnered play better? Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely helped me feel more confident with myself when I'm with somebody and exploring things and and realizing, oh, wait, I like that. I never knew I I would, you know. When you were in your previous marriage, was like self-pleasure or self-exploration part of your rhythm or routine? You know, very rarely. Very rarely. Um, We did spend a lot of time apart, you know, at times when he was off for work or whatever. And I feel like I just... like was stressed with the kids. Like I never had time to do that for myself. And I, you know, looking mm-hmm. back now, I'm thinking, gosh, why didn't I, why didn't I set that side of time for myself? I, Cause I didn't. So now being by myself and single, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier, but I, I, um, I definitely didn't do it as much as I do now when I was married at all. Yeah, it's interesting. In some circles, I'll hear criticism that self-pleasure is like in competition with partnered play or it takes away from partnered play. And studies actually show that women who self-pleasure are actually more 
likely to desire and want sex with their partners. It's just kind of like pleasure begets more pleasure begets more pleasure. <laughs> and, and like you were saying, like when you like learn and take time for yourself, you, there's a, I think there's also kind of like a certain kind of worthiness that comes with it, that in that exploration, you're kind of understanding like, oh, I deserve this. I could handle this. I'm good enough for this. I like pleasure. We always say like pleasures are birthright. And then being able to ask for and expect that in partnered play from that same space can be a big yeah deal I I agree I agree I you know like thinking back now like why didn't I why didn't I do that for myself why didn't I not explore that part I just felt like it was more of a chore I think that's because in my mind I thought it was more of a chore you know being married and and I just didn't find it pleasurable so I didn't think about doing it by myself yes I think that you kind of hit such a key point that I have like I actually have such a big heart for because I think so many women look at sex as one more thing to do on their to-do list. I certainly did at points of my life where I was just like, oh, please, like I was working all day. I had to run this meeting, that meeting, and then come home and make, I mean, we've always had very good shared responsibilities at home, but even sharing responsibilities is still a tremendous amount of work. And then you're nursing or you're cleaning diapers. (laughs) And the last thing you want to do, you know, it just feels like one more thing. And then I remember hearing, I think a sex educator coach or something at some point saying like, if you're having sex worth having, then you're going to desire it doesn't feel like work, it doesn't feel like a chore. And so that really like a was offensive to hear at first, and then B caused me to be like, okay, I need to take a step back. And if I'm not desiring Mm -hmm. this, then what needs to change, both lifestyle wise, but also in the bedroom wise to make it something that I want to move towards rather than run away from. Yeah. And I feel like I was very insecure with myself because of the way I was treated by my husband. Mm. So I never felt like I never wanted to explore in the bedroom because it just wasn't something that I felt safe to do. Yeah. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like I wanted to to do and explore new things because I just I, I had that disconnection. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, safety is enormous. I love to talk about the nervous system because it's just been such like a eye opener in my own like healing journey. A lot of people know I was very sick and understanding how the nervous system works, how much stress and trauma can impact our nervous system and how long it takes for our nervous systems to actually heal. Like it's an incredible amount of time. And so it's not just like have a bubble bath and you're going to feel fine. It's deep Mm -hmm. work that has to be done to be able to heal some of that. And I think mine is, I mean, mine wasn't like physical safeness. It was like more like mental safeness. Like I didn't feel safe with my with the way like I was mentally and like I couldn't verbally expressed how I felt just because of I didn't feel like he let me it just made me hold everything in and there was just a miscommunication so yeah. obviously if there's a miscommunication in life there's going to be miscommunication in the bedroom there's going to be mm-hmm. there, that non-communication affect you know everything else yeah unfortunately yeah 100% I think that that's really important for people to understand in here and um and meant like mental 
stresses is just as valid. You know, I think that sometimes it's yeah. easier to like minimize it or whatever, but it is absolutely valid if you're not feeling safe in your environment mentally, then our bodies have the same response. Yeah. And I, that's played a lot in the role of enjoying myself now when I'm in that situation. Like I'm able to feel all the, the feelings that come with being intimate with somebody. Yeah. Like I said, that's helped me realize things that I like and that I didn't know I did. Yeah. You <laughs> said earlier that you've had some insecurities around your body and so forth. Is Do you still experience that with new partners or do you have a lot more confidence with your body now? Um, I'm, I'm really trying. I would say it's not completely gone, mm -hmm. but I definitely feel a little bit more secure in my body. I'm not by any means weight as I would want to be to feel 100% confident, but I definitely feel like I'm, I'm better than what I used to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> does, okay, so I have a question. So does experiencing pleasure in your body help you appreciate your body as it is anymore? Like as it is in its current form? I would say yes, just because I feel like you know, the other person is being receptive. And so that makes me a little more confident and a little more like secure and, and be able to have more fun with my sexual desire, uh -huh. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things that you've learned you like? Ah, uh, gosh, there's a couple of things. Well, let's see here. Oral. Did not think I liked that just because I never experienced it the way I guess I should have. And let's see here. That's one thing. Yeah. Let's see. I don't know what you would want to call it. It would be more of like the desire when you like get slapped. Oh, yeah. Kinks. Impact I, play. Kinks. There yep. we go. See, I didn't know the word. Yeah. Play. Impact play. <laughs> That's a winner. Okay. Yes. Okay. So definitely experience that I like the impact play. Uh -huh. Never would have thought, never in my wildest dreams would have ever thought I would have liked that, you know? Yeah. So that's definitely fun. I mean, even like, like I said, oral, like even giving oral, like I never, I never enjoyed that ever. I enjoy it. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's very exciting. The impact play component is it's so interesting. There's a great coach out of Portland. Her name is Jessie Fresh. And on her website, she has a workshop called Bottoms Up. And it's like a 45 minute online workshop <laughs> on impact play. And one of the things that she talks about in that is like, why our bodies like it so much is for the same reason we like vibrators. It's like the, it's that same vibration sensation that gets blood flowing, it's stimulating different parts of the body. She said that every seven minutes, there's this cocktail of hormones that gets released into your body. So whenever my husband and I play with impact play, he's a giant nerd. So he always times things in seven minute increments. So it's, it could be seven minutes, it could be 42 minutes, but <laughs> there's a lot of fun ways to be able to play and explore with that. But also to your point, like you have to be in a place that you feel safe and there's conversations around consent to create the container and boundaries. And when you have those conversations of consent that create boundaries, there's a lot of ability to let go and experience freedom in ways that you don't feel like so controlling or like protective or safe like needing to um, remain safe, keep yourself safe. You can trust your partner to 
do that for you and provide a pleasurable experience. So that's fun that you've discovered that. Yeah. Like I said, it's not something I ever would have thought I would be, I would find enjoyable and it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a lot of people. There's, I think, a lot of different forms of play and kinks that are only portrayed one way in a lot of media. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can look a lot more scary or it could look a lot more edgy. And I think it's just really important for people to know that everything is customizable and personalized and you get to create and find your own space in whatever it is at levels that you want and you like. Okay, this is a juicy question. What is it about giving oral that you like? Well, no, so I I never felt like I, I did it very well. Okay. And, and I think because I didn't think I did it very well, I had to do some, some research on it before I tried to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so during those two years, I did some research. <laughs> After I did some reading on it and learned some some things, I feel like it's like a challenge oh, fine. now to try the tactics that I've learned to use and see how they work. Yeah. So now I want to, to see if what I learned is, is good. I don't know. To see if I'm better at it. I don't know. To see if I've gotten better. And so that's always fun. Like, okay, let's see if I can achieve this this goal of giving him pleasure the way I want to. Yeah, that's so fun. And it sounds like you feel a lot more confident with it, which is very sexy. And both people can probably feed off of that quite a bit as well. Yeah, I definitely am more apt to doing it without being asked or like, I want to do it, not because he's asking me to do mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. That's so fun. Okay, so you've had quite the journey to this point of in life and learned a lot about yourself, both during your marriage and then kind of during this break and waiting period, now dating. What do you hope the Renee of 10 years from now knows? And so this could either be something that you know about yourself now and you don't want to forget or something that you're hoping to learn about yourself in the next decade? Well, in 10 years, I hope to see myself in a relationship with somebody that is still thriving, that still desires each other and still wants to be sexual with or intimate with, Mm -hmm. you know, that would, that would be awesome if I was that in 10 years you know, being married for so long and seeing what, you know, that does to you being with somebody for so long. I really hope in 10 years that I find somebody that we're, we're still, you know, crazy in bed. Yeah. So, so it sounds like it's become priority and value of yours, sexual desire and compatibility and togetherness in that kind of way. Yeah, 100%. Just because, you know, I locked it for so many years and seeing what my body can do now, knowing what my body can do, it's just, it's liberating and I just, I want more. You feel and your energy feels very confident. So I've seen you in the shop and you just kind of walk in with this light around you and this confidence and smile and twinkle in your eye and so forth. So you might not be able to see it yet, but that same kind of like confidence and that fierceness that I think is driving you to like take on the challenge of, you know, oral or whatever is showing up in other really meaningful ways, just contrasting the way you were describing yourself in your previous relationship to how you're walking around this world now. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's no, thank you. Because that means a lot to me to, to know that somebody else can see that when they look at me, because that's what I want. I, and I, and I feel that. So that's great that I, I portray that when I'm talking to people and I'm out in public, because I definitely feel like I am, I'm that. Well, and it's always a big journey. I think that we kind of get into patterns for so long and we absorb certain beliefs and scripts for so long that just the detangling of all of that, working through past stuff, but then really stepping into your future self and your authentic self, that is such a big, big deal. I think you should give yourself a lot of credit for that. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Definitely boosts my my confidence even more. (laughs) Oh, good. I hope it shows up in the bedroom now. Right? Maybe. Oh, well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I did ask you? The only other thing I I would want to say is I joined a couple groups on Facebook and reading people's, you know, other people's issues and like, oh, they, you know, they're dealing with this and can you relate? And I've been able to relate with a lot of people and, and see like how people deal with things on Facebook and just reading things. And it's helped me learn a lot actually okay i didn't know about this podcast or i didn't know about this person so i would you know search for it and i'd learn you know something else and so i think that's really helped me learn a lot of things is facebook and just you know doing research on different things and and talking and listening to other women yeah i'm so glad you shared that because i facebook is a community it's a place for community and conversation and so being able to be in groups where people are actively talking and sharing things is very empowering to other people and i mean i've said it before but one of the goals with this podcast is just to spark some of that conversation and making it okay to talk about sex sex sexuality what we're experiencing so we can all be more bold and confident in those conversations because it can be life-changing for people. And if we don't have a place where we can talk about it or friends to chat about it with, I mean, we just need it. We do. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of girlfriends. So it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I have to be able to, you know, talk with somebody and feel comfortable and not feel like embarrassed or, or whatever. So it's good to have friends that you can confide in and, and talk to things like that about. So that's, that's, that's always very important. Well, and it like those Facebook groups give you the real behind the scenes look into what people are experiencing, because I think what we post on our walls or what we see in the movies paints this very easy picture of what it looks like to like meet somebody, fall in love, and then suddenly have a white picket fence and all the children running around. So to be able to be in spaces and communities where you're seeing the good, the bad and the ugly and getting tips and encouragement is so meaningful and powerful. So I'm really glad that you found that. I'm really glad that you shared that too, because I think a lot of our listeners could really benefit from that as well. Yeah. Just by listening to other women talk about things, it it kind of just makes your eyes a little bit wider and be like, wow, I didn't know that was a thing or that was a lot of information that I could put into my real life. Yeah. It's awesome. I love yeah. it. And we can always take what we want, leave what we don't and go from there. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely appreciate that. Well, I sure appreciate you being on here today and getting to know you a little bit more excited to see you next time in the shop. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this story, I hope you'll subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please share it with a friend to keep the conversation going and leave a review that would be super helpful. 
We invite you to follow us on Instagram at Life Turned On Podcast. And if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at stories at lifeturnedonpodcast.com. And the next time you're looking for lingerie or sexual wellness products, I hope you'll consider shopping at lingerboutique.com so we can continue to normalize rest and pleasure together.